Trash, The Final Frontier. Welcome to the bridge of the starship Nostromo for Strange New Pods, a podcast media series covering Strange New Worlds. I am your Captain Justin, and joining me on our way wish him are my science officer, Anna, and xenoanthropologist, Jude. I feel like both of us have a lot to do on, on this away mission. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, which one of you is going to die? That's the question. Well, we already have names. Mm. So we're fine. And neither of us was just promoted to lieutenant. Fair. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, um, unfortunately, you're going to be stuck for the next seven years in two movies at lieutenant commander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact. Is it a aliens, fun fact? <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about parental neglect? Show, go for it. My father showed me and my brother the movie Aliens, Alien, uh, which is relevant to this episode, when I was eight and my brother was four. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, which is why my brother doesn't go up the stairs when anyone's behind him anymore. <laughs> Hasn't since he was four. So when I was a kid, I hated. I didn't go upstairs that were dark. Well, it's because my, my, after the movie, my dad chased my brother up the stairs. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That'll do it. That'll do it. In case you're wondering, this week's episode is about episode nine, All Those Who Wander, written by Davy Perez and directed by Christopher J. Byrne. I feel like very weird because I didn't to introduce it and say take it away. I'm like, this is, this is. You could belatedly ask us a question if that would make you feel more normal. Yeah, no. Fuck it. Chew, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> This episode opens as Uhura logs about the end of her cadet rotation on the Enterprise as Pike throws a going-away brunch for her and the other cadet, previously unnamed, unnamed and unshown, which is like a double danger. I This person has just been flagged for death. This is, it's like... yeah. They have a red shirt on. It's blue, but it's red. It's it's like it's like seeing that guy who's like in, in the Star Wars cartoon. He's like, I have the death sentence on seventeen <laughs> systems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she muses on the surety of purpose everyone else seems to have. Mid party, right after yet another random crew member we're all supposed to recognize, but definitely don't gets promoted to lieutenant. They get a priority one mission, interrupting their existing one, involving delivering cells, ba- energy cells of they're some kind. They're delivering batteries. They're batteries. They're delivering space batteries. Yeah, they're delivering space Duracells to a space station. Yeah, no, space station K seven. K seven, which cannot be interrupted because if it does, the batteries don't work. I don't understand how this works. I think it's more that they need the batteries ASAP. Yeah. Uh, over dishes and a saved plate for lawn, they review the mission. The USS Peregrine has gone missing, and due to the planet's interference, they can't just scan, so they're being sent to investigate. But since the power cells they are transporting cannot be delayed, Lon suggests sending a landing party. Pike decides to go himself with the cadets. They land, and while Hammer enjoys the, the homey cold, the rest banter until Lon finds a bloody arm. Yes, I know Pike went full dad mode in the kitchen. I'm get gonna talk about it after. I did not neglect to make note. I'm getting there. <laughs> what do you get? What do you get? I'm trying to be restrained in my summary. I'm letting here. you go here. You're doing we great, sweetie. It. 
They reach the crashed ship and find more blood, and the ship in bad condition in general, the crew worse. Some have been eviscerated, some frozen. Uhura gets the logs up, and they discover that the ship rescued three people, one of whom was infected with Gorn eggs. Pike and co. find an unknown alien protecting a human girl, while Hemmer and Uhura discuss her future in engineering. In Medbay, the girl and the alien are getting scanned when the big blue alien starts to huff and puff, and while Chapel isn't looking, a clutch of squirrel-sized baby Gorn burst out of his back, which is totally not at all like the xenomorphs. It's out of his back, not his chest. It's totally different. And they're tiny, not cat-sized, they're squirrel-sized, so it's not at all the same. <laughs> this kills the uh, the alien, and the baby Gorn go on to immediately murder the previously unnamed uh, cadet. The newly minted lieutenant is next. Lon goes full predator, ready to start hunting, and manages to save Hemmer and Uhura from being eaten, but not before Hemmer gets a neck full of acid. The crew groups back up in Med Bay, where Mustache Kirk gets on Spock's case for not being angry and being too unemotional, while Lon comes up with a plan. They try to lure the Gorn into one place so that they'll fight each other, which works. They manage to get the Gorn to kill each other until there's only one left, which they then lure into the hold and freeze. Which is when Hemmer reveals that the slime he was hit with has infected him with Gorn babies. Gross. Gross. I have the worst joke for this. And I, it might be too bad for even this podcast. He gives some moving parting advice to Uhura, then walks out into the cold, out of the cargo bay, and falls off into the distance. At the funeral, Ortegas gives a nice little speech. Spock storms out and is soups angry. Chapel comforts him, and there are fucking feelings here reminding him that his emotions make him human, and then Lon takes a leave to help the refugee girl find her family. In the last scene, to the sound effects of the OG show, Uhura takes her position, and that's the episode. But boy, did I leave all the good stuff out. Uh, this is like a dry-ass recitation of the, like, the basic events of the episode, but it leaves out all the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Do we want do we want to get the obvious uh, the obvious thing out of the way and talk about Hemmer? Yeah, Hemmer dies. Yeah, which sucks. Yeah, but as as Justin and I were sort of discussing before the recording started, Justin was asking like, do you hate that he died, or do you hate how you feel about him dying? And for me personally, it's the latter. I mean, I I hate that he won't be on the show because I like his character, but I don't. I think that it is a very earned death. Yeah. I think that the way that they wrote his character, that like he's discussed his purpose and the relationship that they built with him and Uhura feels very earned. And the way that his death is what pushes Uhura into opening up to the crew and to a life in Starfleet, I think is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that that shit got me good. So I think it's it's very earned. And I hate it only in so much as like, I, I resent these shows making me feel things. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't hate that he's dead. I, I hate that it made me feel things. That's because yeah. you're a cold old man and I love you for it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think after a second watch, I'm like around in the same place. But also, Hemmer's such a good character and I really would have enjoyed having more time with him, you know, especially since he's filling a lot of interesting niches that we haven't seen 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in Trek. And we can probably talk about this when we record the next one. But I think you know, overall his death fits into the kind of one of the big overarching themes of the season, which is the importance of sacrifice, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, which we'll probably want to talk about next time more than this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron made a comment, uh, or sorry, Zathras made a comment uh, about this episode that hit me really hard, which was like about that, that this episode, I think, in conjunction with the finale, I think serves to forward the episode, the season long theme of making, helping Pike accept mm-hmm. that. That, that his path is the best path and the right path and his purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it it harkens back to, you know, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, right? Yeah. But, yeah, this, I, I definitely, like, the first time watching through, it was at the end of a really rough day. And I was like... I'll watch Strange New Worlds and I'll feel better. And then I was like, you fucking did me dirty. The f- and especially because the episode starts out so charmingly. Yeah, I was I was like livid because it's like this has been my comfort watch that like mm-hmm. largely I've largely I've been able to like rest in the in the knowledge that like everybody important survives. <laughs> and then it said, nope. Fuck you, fuck you, tombstone to the to the heart. Yeah, yeah. and like, I know, could have done without that. And I kept like, you know, it was like, you know, the, watching watching the episode for the first time and like seeing like the stages of grief like flash before my eyes as Hemmer is like walking out there. I'm like, like, no, 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 it this this can't be. And then the the like, no, well. And Dorian's like the cold, but Gordon don't like the cold, so he's going to get out there, and then it's going to be fine. And then just like, oh, he dropped off the cliff. Well, shit. Yeah. Um, because I was like holding mm-hmm. out hope that like it was going to be like, yeah, same. really sad, and then he'd get out there, and then he'd be like, wait, suddenly I'm feeling better. Honestly, I think I would have hated the episode if it did that. Yeah. Because I want to talk about this in conjunction with. Another season one departure from another Trek show. Tasha Yar? Tasha Yar. I like Denise Crosby. I think the character of Tasha Yar is in some ways iconic um, because she's a cool, non-traditional female cast member like, and has some stuff. But come from me backstory where it's like child trauma survivor. Like, primary, like, the primary things we know about her is that she's tough and she survived a planet that had rape gangs, which it's not very wonderful. She is involved in a lot of terrible plots, has sort of a thin personality. Bangs data. It bangs data while under the influence of space alcohol virus. Space alcohol water. Space alcohol water, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> The actor and Denise Crosby was getting fed up with how her character was treated and got done dirty by the staff and was killed off in, I think, one of the worst Star Trek deaths ever. Yeah. In a horrible episode. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Crosby comes back later in the show once some fences are mended. 
and makes a cool appearance as Tasha, like makes a couple appearances as Tasha. Makes an appearance as her sister, right? As her sister. Or something? I think like as her sis, like as her sister, as an alternate universe for herself. And of course, playing the Romulan commander, Sela, who. Yes. Fantastic. I, I'm glad that Icon, she. Iconic. Iconic. God. <laughs> we're not going to talk. I'm not. We do not have time to go down the Sela rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Join us for our next podcast. <laughs> We're all horny for Sela the Romulan. (laughs) (laughs) Getting ready to feel fear. Um, But I think in comparison, Hammer is somebody who doesn't have a ton of appearances. Like, he appears in most of the episodes in season one, but in some... doesn't like you know he's not a he's not a focus character in any of them even in this episode really yeah but they managed to give him a realized art yeah. which i think is a testament to the good writing that they do yeah he yeah. is he however like he, he comes into the show pretty much fully developed and like he his arc isn't about like needing to get somewhere it's about helping another person and in this way he and like has some very memorable appearances and his death is going to be one that is in an episode where sort of makes sense for him to die and it's a meaningful death. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's, it's well earned and I, I love that this is a character that has such an enormous impact on Uhura in such a great way. Mm -hmm. Uhura is a, a communicator. Uh, someone whose fundamental skill set is the way she connects to people. He is the one that helps her open up after the trauma of her parents' deaths. He really is an enormous influence on her on her life, and I think they they really built that plot well. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I hated it, but I liked it. Yeah. But also, god damn it, how dare you, how dare they like. How how dare they kill off my favorite character? <laughs> I I it, it was like not it's my like favorite the, character, but yes, I recognize I think, what you yeah. mean. I think something that is very like I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, where it's like it sucks, but at the same time it's like I don't want ever I don't want to feel like I'm being robbed of like more appearances because Bruce Horvath is like I'm down for returning in whatever funky space way you want me to come back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Which, yeah. which king, a king there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like, this is Trek, like weirder, sh- who knows, Hammer might come back, weirder stuff has happened. Absolutely. We- we've had, must- we've had, um, you know, Spock reborn on a Genesis planet. We've had. Um, Give us Gorn Hammer or Hammer's Andorian twin or no, you know what I want? I want Romulan. Hammer. God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was mostly it was mostly a gut punch in that like this has been my like security blanket show for the last yeah. you know 10 weeks and like throwing throwing that twist like I think that for me at least it was the the, the trek death I would compare it the most to would be Jedzia at the end of season six of DS9. I think that this was better in that, you know, there was a, for one thing, there wasn't any bad blood with the actor. It seems like Terry Farrell had perfectly reasonable reasons for not wanting to have as 
you know, larger role, but that didn't work out. And so Jedzia was written off. There was an element of at least some degree of pointlessness of it to me. Or if not pointlessness, it's that it was like thrown as the complete like out of the blue, out of the blue twist where, you know, we've talked a lot on various things about, you know, on this show about how to do twists well and how to do twists poorly. And like the twist of like, suddenly, suddenly we find out that the acid spit was actually acid jizz. Um, I think, I think at least for me, that was sort of like, I, the minute he got it on him, I was just like, Oh, that's how they do it. Uh, cause, cause at least for me, cause I, I, I think it was mostly just like a thing of like, we never see them like, in, like there's no like implanting apparatus or anything. And I, and <laughs> wow, there's a sense of, I mean, Hey, it's better than the joke I was going to make about like this being the worst facial anybody's ever taken. <laughs> um, Aaron, you can cut that or I don't know. Don't we, we <laughs> if you unsubscribe for that episode, I think maybe we need to move on from the Gorn talk. <laughs> Gorn porn, if you will. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I can't believe we just made Jude back out of a conversation. I'm I'm impressed. Like I, little internet fist bump. No, I refuse. <laughs> that wasn't for you. That was for us. Let's talk about something else. Uh, let's talk about Spock doing the dishes. I was well. I was gonna say let's talk about that that whole scene. Uh, that's a great scene. I love so. They do the brunch and then they're planning in Pike's kitchen. And I love Spock's face when Pike puts the apron on him. God, it's so it's like it's like when you grab a cat by the back of the neck and they're just like, oh, they, they just don't know how to react. They're just poleaxed for a second. I I absolutely loved it. Um, but then the next time you see him, he's just like chatting while he scrubs a dish like he. Yeah. But it just there, there's a half second there where he's just like does not compute. It was just very good. I also love Lon coming in and being like, "I'm not hungry," and then Una being like, "No, you're you're gonna want to try, you know, the omelet and the bacon and and the waffle and like here's your plate." Um, and Lon is like, yeah. resentfully takes a bite and then is like, "This My is God, delicious! That's good. God damn it!" <laughs> Like, yeah. Betrayed. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, there's two things I love about this scene particularly. One is the absolute peak, let's split the party. And Una's like, are you sure? And the overconfident paladin Pike is like, it'll be fine. <laughs> also, also, as all of us are like, you're taking all of your command staff except for one person. Onto this away mission. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure this is a good idea? Apparently. He brought a tank. That's Spock. He brought DPS. That I mean, that's Lawn. You know, healer, Benga, <laughs> and Chapel. Like, you've got double duty on healers there. Yeah. 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 I mean, he came prepared. It just... Like, party know. comp was good. It was just, you know, dude didn't check the wiki. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't, didn't check the CR on that encounter. My favorite part, though, is for sure Pike literally going dad mode. 
where he's talking about the treating the shuttle like a station wagon. Oh, and, where he literally calls it the station wagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which that's is fantastic. Yeah, and then he's like snapping the 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 tongs at at Spock, and then and then also the thing where it's like, buddy, you need to change your damn password. Oh yeah, that's some spaceball shit. His password is two four six eight ten. But that's also like a dad thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. M- Mbenga is like still. And it's like yeah, when another know, dad is calling you on your dad dealing, shit. dealing with anything with like my father, he, it's like. You've been using the same password for for 15 years. Stop. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many good lines at the top of this episode. Yeah. Spock, another human drinking game. Does their number have no limit? Nope. Yeah. I also really liked Chapel, like, not even pretending not to flirt with, with Spock <laughs> when they're talking about emotions. And she's just like, here, let me grab your hands. Like... Yeah, man, oh, so there's good. some energy in that scene. Yeah, the the interactions between Chapel and Spock are are always throughout this episode. Good. Yeah, I can't believe. So I, if you, if I had only watched this show, I would believe that Chapel was an enormously important character in TOS. Uh, and the fact that she's not frustrates me. The fact that she's like barely in it. She's in a fair number of episodes, she, though. I think it's like it's. I, I think it's more the thing of like I'm trying to. She's an important side. Like she's a she's a memorable side character, but in a lot of times she's not particularly important. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's not a character that is being positioned as an alternate love interest for Spock, who is helping him come to grips with his humanity. Yeah, which is what they're doing with her here. A lot of that is that in the time between. The original series in nineteen in the nineteen sixties, and now we have fifty five years of people who have said, "Well, Nurse Chapel is an alternative love interest for Spock." Um, yeah, and yeah, we want we want to thank everybody who did a fanzine, who did you know list serves, and we want to uh, fic writers wherever you are. We want to thank you for your service. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there there is the more popular Kirk and Spock, but like Spock and Chapel, that is a thing that exists. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and the show certainly is on that is on that ship because, I, and I can't wait for you to watch TOS and see and see their relationship there. I'm interested to see if it's the same intensity or how it's portrayed in, in TOS. It's wild to me that they're like, Chapel is unquestionably a, a, a major influence here in Spock dealing with his humanity. And uh, I'm interested to see how they handle her in TOS. So that scene at the end. After, so the part I left out of my summary is that like, in order to lure the gore and Spock like, let's, fur- let's rage into his heart. And at the funeral, he's like flipping out Mm -hmm. and punches a bulkhead and like bends it, fucks up a bulkhead and Chapel goes out there. And I figured it was six to five and pick him, whether he grabbed Chapel or full on made out with Chapel in that scene. (laughs) Um, I was let down. But the 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 fucking sexual tension was regardless of the outcome was was thick enough to cut with a goddamn you can cut it with a knife well no what's what's the what's the the, 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 the vulcan the the, the vulcan lirpa? like a yeah. lirpa yeah thick enough to cut with a lirpa uh 
I am going to make a prediction for season two. Ooh. Two, three, I don't know. I'm making a prediction for the future of Star Trek. This show <laughs> of Star Trek Strange New Worlds that Chapel is going to be part of why Spock and his fiance are not a thing come TOS. And okay. I think I think there's gonna be more there. I don't I, I think they're going to like I think it's gonna be more than just this like one-sided flirting thing. Meanwhile, I'm interested to see how they cool down the relationship between the two of them. That's I think you and I are talking about the same thing. I think that's how they're gonna cool it down. Because something's gonna have to happen to to distance them. Yeah. You know, to end up to end up in the place where they are in TOS, which is her pining after him, but she has a fiance in the meantime at some point. Yeah, though I mean uh, Okay, yeah, I want to say alternate timeline just because it's like... Do you remember my... I was talking about tinfoil the other day? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was talking about like wrapping my head in tinfoil. This is what I was talking about. The fact that the the book from... The book that they read in the Elysian Kingdom is written by Cisco's like weird timeline person. Like I, I was like cooking up this whole complex thing about how like Strange New Worlds is another is like a branched off timeline. I do want to, I like with, hmm. with discovery and there's, this is a different, I, I think that there can be like, I think there can be a discussion that every Star Trek series is sort of its own thing. I just yeah. don't want, I just don't want to be that. Yeah. This is one thing that I, it's something I both love and am somewhat frustrated with. The one thing I, I am a little frustrated with, with, with strange new worlds, which is that it's, I love the way that it, having TOS at the end of it gives it this frame that it works in and that there's so many of these characters are familiar and we have an endpoint for them and we, we can see the arc of how they're evolving. But also it frustrates me that there are ways in which some of these characters are improved or there are new characters being introduced and I want more TOS is reportedly very okay, <laughs> but I want there to, I don't want to lose all the, all the things that make Strange New Worlds great when it flips yeah. back 55 years. My prediction is that it won't, is that we'll end up in the place where like, we'll kind of end up at where things stand factually in TOS but with the character development that we've had all along. Yeah. Essentially. So like Chapel and Spock are on the ship, but they don't try to rectify the fact that their relationship is different. Yeah, I think I think we're going to end up in in kind of the same place, but but I think we're going to end up at essentially what we would get if we imagined TOS right now. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I'd be down for that. One thing that I thought was really interesting in this episode is the the portion where uh, Sam Kirk goes on his tirade mm-hmm. against Spock, right? And the stuff that he says there is pretty close to what Bones says in TOS. I think it's really interesting that they're positioning. I like that that Sam Kirk is a bit of an, is an asshole. I think it's an interesting way to engage with that portion of TOS. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's because that's an that's an aspect of TOS that really hasn't aged well and hasn't and doesn't mesh 
particularly well with a lot of the rest of Trek is, you know, the 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 especially McCoy's constant insults against Spock. Mm -hmm. And that I mean, specifically, that's one of the things where anytime I'm rewatching TOS, I'm like, "Eh, this is is uncomfortable. I don't like this very much. But it's, it's interesting to see them approaching that. And I'm interested to see where that goes, because it was clearly like clearly being portrayed as something that was bad rather than something that was meant to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm hoping that we get more development on that, like with Sam Kirk and uh, in season two. Yeah. Um, I do want to sort of loop back to one thing, which is Chapel's fiance, like we're the Mitch Duffett. If there's one thing we can change, I'm okay with changing that. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's okay. So like, yeah, I'm not usually the one who's going to age discourse, but like, that's an old man creeping on a woman who is way too young for him. If you look at those things <laughs> and I get that like in 1966 or whatever, there were some different attitudes toward that, but you know, I choose to have my head empty and just wish for maybe that guy to, I mean, maybe, maybe if like they, they change around the casting a little bit and make that a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I could, I could I could see an interesting reimagining of him as somebody who's like a prodigy archaeologist type of thing, who's much younger. Gets artificially aged by an artifact. That's what I want. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I want that to be oh, God. Uh, that's too funny now. I want that. Um but I think I think if 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 you made him kind of like like a hotshot archaeologist, which he kind of is in that episode. I feel like that actually would be somebody who Chapel would be attracted to. Yeah. Because it would be uh-huh. somebody who'd be interesting and also somebody who wouldn't be around very much. The two things that she apparently looks for in uh, romantic partners that aren't Spock. Yeah. Emotional unavailability and deep dicking. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I do sort of, like, want to talk about, like, how we're getting a number because of the way that episode 10 is laid out. Uh, because, unspoilers, we've already watched it. We're getting that thing where characters are being set aside on, like, almost side quests to put away for, the, for like, wh- how, however long the break is going to be between season one and two. So, yeah. like... You know, it, it's it's that thing of like maybe it's either we we want to have your character do some off screen development or do some, pick up and pick up a new skill set or something or do something fun in the meantime, or your contract is in limbo or I don't know how that goes. <laughs> Apparently, like everybody's back because season two is all because season two's already done wrapping. Yeah, I'm so excited. I sort of hope that we get as little information about season two as we did season one because yeah. I'm just like this was a blast to go in through just like. Pretty much no previews, no no big summaries or anything. The only the only preview we got was the like ship porn. Yeah. Well, I mean, they filmed the whole thing and we didn't see anything about the yeah, filming. Everything was in COVID lockdown. No, yeah. I mean season two, I mean. They filmed all of season two while season one was airing and we didn't see anything. Or if they did, like I'm sure it's on like weird Trek fan sites, but it I, I didn't see any of it. So I don't know anything about season two other than what Orte- the actress who plays Ortega has said about it being fucking great. So this did kind of feel like it almost felt like this kind of felt like the season yeah. finale. I mean, right? we're going to get some more P 
people getting shuttled off to like to to stuff at the end of this at at season like in the next episode but it's like there's there's like uhura's season one arc is done now like like her her in assuredness it's over like or like she's figured out her thing it feels like a finale in that sense of like that there's character arcs tying up here and on is like i need to take some time away from starfleet which, yeah. yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Ellen and Lan is like finally healing as opposed to just pushing down her emotions mm-hmm. and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is good to see. I am hopeful for whatever we see for her in season two. I we'll get we'll get we'll get to that in the next episode, but I, I am I am very hopeful for what we see in season two that we get her we get some good development on her part. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, is that all we've got to say about this one? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I do want to give a shout out for like two design elements for this episode. One, absolutely love that this is adhering to the uh, Star Trek formula of if you see a ship of a different class or like if you see another ship, it's going to be 90% an existing ship that they already have a model for. In this case, it's the, the <laughs> Peregrine is just a smaller constitution. But it has a constitution engines on it. Yeah, right. that, yeah, it's like it's basically it's like a because it's 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 a little ship, but it's got constitution class engines on it. So yeah. it's got like the big ass nacelles that make it go real yeah, fast, which I love. It, it's it's just like Star Trek will not will never not reuse an asset if it can. Um, I also love yeah. the planet itself. It's got it's well designed. It's got a real vibe. It's got like this spooky ethereal quality to it. The cinematography in general was stellar too. Um mm-hmm. that like in particular I gripe a lot about gosh darn it movies and shows these days are too dark and they need to turn the lights on. But I there were a lot of like in the dark scenes in this but they they managed to actually still be like you could actually see detail in them and everything. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my favorite bit like that was the sound design in the last scene when Uhura goes back to the bridge and you hear all of the old TOS bridge sound effects Yeah, as she's uh, looking at her at her station on the bridge. I thought that was mm-hmm. real nicely done. And then the close up on that, it looks like the close up on the on the, you know, station looks very TOS-y. The episode title is Lord of the Rings Left. Is it? Not all those who wander are lost. Oh, my God. How did I? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's been a day. I'm tired. I mean, yeah, I was like, oh, I got to pull a Tolkien whatever on June. Uh, We can call call that your token mistake for the evening. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Um, next episode, we are going to be recovering the season one finale, which will be the end of this mini series. We will go back to recording more, more mainline stuff. But until next time, hit it. Strange New Pods is a limited run series by the Babylon Project, a member of the OK So Network. All views expressed are our own. Music credits can be found in the show notes. Wear life gloriously. You could belatedly ask a, ask a, you could belatedly.
Jesus. You could belatedly. <laughs> you can tell this is our second recording of the night. You want to try that one more time? 